any semblance of quality would be beneficial if you're the Pac-12. And if you need more numbers anyways, you need more teams that are on board, it would be beneficial. So no, it's not about hoops. I'm not saying it is. It's never been about hoops. But if there's ever been a time to strike, now would be the time. Hello and welcome. It's always college football. It's a Friday edition and we're just one day away from April Fool's Day. So we're going to have some fun with today's edition of the show. We have a lot that we need to get to. We're going to get into a few things. San Diego State. You're going to say, Greg, why are we going to focus so much attention on San Diego State today? Because San Diego State is potentially a key cog and what might be another round of Pac-12 expansion. And doesn't mean the Big 12 might actually get involved. We'll talk about them being in the Final Four and why it might ultimately lead to a new look in college football. But that's not the only thing that we're going to discuss. We're going to dive in to some heartbreaking moments when your team basically fooled you into thinking, hey, you're going to be great. You're going to be awesome. This game's going to go great. This game is a win. Only to see your heart ripped out and you're left kind of crying there at the end of the game in defeat and or in the end of the season, recognizing that maybe we just weren't that good after all. And then finally, we have a terrific mailbag question from one of our listeners asking us about the specifics of getting rid of divisions in college football and how that ultimately might have a significant impact on some teams that would be considered middle of the road, maybe slightly upper tier, but not the highest tier in their respective conferences. So we got a lot that we need to get to, but let's kick things off out West with a little final four discussion. You're going to say, Greg, what are you talking about? Bear with me. Let's talk about it. Some people are saying, and I'm, look, I'm not one saying it, but there are experts that are very familiar with the Pac-12 that are very familiar with a constant shifting in the landscape of college athletics. There are experts out there that have been watching this March Madness tournament very closely. And one of the biggest breakthroughs in March Madness has been the fact that San Diego State, a Mountain West team there in Southern California, has won four consecutive games and punched their ticket to their first ever Final Four. You're going to say, Greg, why does this matter? Why do I care? That's college basketball. I get it. Believe me, I'm not telling you you should care, but if you do have a vague interest in conference realignment, this is a story that you need to be paying attention to. You need to say, Greg, well, what about FAU? Are we knocking down the door to make sure that FAU gets added to the ACC? Are we knocking down the door to make sure that UConn gets readmitted? into the American? Like, no, we're, we're not doing any of those things. So why do we care about San Diego State? Because UConn and FAU, I might add, are in parts of the country that are remarkably accounted for as it relates to college sports. Southern California, however, not so much. And the Pac-12 right now Say what you want about where they currently stand in their media rights negotiation. The Pac-12 right now is at a bit of a crossroads. Now, they are trying to figure out 
Who are we going to go with? Are we going to go with ESPN? Are we going to go with the streaming service, Apple, Amazon, what have you? All of us are wondering the exact same question. I can't answer it. But I can tell you this, not having arguably the most densely populated part of your entire footprint accounted for, not having Los Angeles in the Pac-12, not having Southern California in the Pac-12 is something that would be a little bit problematic if I'm going to go to the table in a rights negotiation and say, Greg, LA and San Diego are a long way away. I get that. But right now, USC and UCLA are en route to the Big Ten. It's done. They're going. It's over. Who's your Southern California presence? San Diego State's about the only team that you could possibly justify. And a lot of people are going to say, well, San Diego State, hoops, should it matter? Do, do basketball programs really matter when it comes to realignment? The answer in most cases is no. People aren't jumping over tables to try to add teams to their conference because of how good they are in basketball. There's long been speculation about, well, Gonzaga is going to join the Pac-12 or maybe Gonzaga is going to join the Big 12. Well, why hasn't it happened yet? If, it, if, they're so, if we're so concerned about hoops and we're so concerned about realignment to account for hoops, what's Gonzaga doing still playing in the, in the West Coast Conference? Last I checked, they're not getting an invitation as of right now. Now, ultimately, they might because they might have no choice. But if you look at San Diego State, they're a little bit different. Now, people are going to say, well, San Diego State, hey, getting to the Final Four is remarkable. But if you look at what San Diego State's accomplished in their history as a football program, I actually think they'd be a welcome addition. Tell me the Pac-12 is going to have open conversations about the SMU Mustangs and not consider the possibility of adding San Diego State. San Diego State, a team that's won, I don't know, 21 conference titles, team that's had six Division title since being in the Mountain West. And how about this? A team that should have, whether you say you agree with me or not, but should have probably had a Heisman Trophy winner in Marshall Falk in the early 90s. San Diego State's got a long story tradition of playing really good football. So you can tell me, hey, this Final Four run, not a big deal. Yeah, well, it is because the Pac-12, last I checked, not represented in the Final Four. The Pac-12, outside of UCLA in recent years, has been really hit or miss when it comes to college hoop. Pac-12, as documented for quite a while, has been really hit or miss as it relates to college football. And with your bell cow SC leaving, yeah, I think Washington's in good shape. Yeah, I think Oregon's great. I'm cautiously optimistic about Colorado and Arizona State and all these other teams. I'm good with it. I, I respect the league. I love the league. I'm from Los Angeles, for crying out loud. I respect the league. But you cannot turn up your nose at San Diego State. You cannot turn up your nose at Fresno State. You need to strongly consider welcoming SMU into the Pac-12. Why? Because there's strength in numbers. And people will say, well, no, you need, you need eyeballs. You need brands. Not when you're on the verge of potentially getting poached. You need numbers. And adding a San Diego State, adding a Fresno, talking to a UNLV, adding an SMU, looking at a Colorado State, 
I'm not looking at a Boise State. I'm not suggesting you extend invitations to all those teams. No, I'm not saying that at all. But it needs to be on the table. And it should be accelerated given the fact that San Diego State is teeing it up tomorrow for an opportunity to potentially cut down the nets in men's basketball, which is the second biggest sport in all of college athletics. So there's a call to action. Make something happen, Pac-12. Make a move. It has to be done. San Diego State, if they win tomorrow, just go ahead and extend the invitation and consider it a Pac-12 champion before Monday night's championship game. That's what I'd do. I'd capture the moment and try to steal something from the Mountain West. Even if I can't get any of the money, I still want a piece of it. If I'm Mike Oresco, I'm doing a victory lap right now about FAU getting to the Final Four. Why? Because they're a future member of the American Athletic Conference. If I'm Mike Oresco, I'm doing a victory lap because of the performance of future members North Texas and UAB because of their performance in the NIT. Yeah, there are another Conference USA members right now, but I kind of want to take credit for it because guess what? They're a future member. I think right now, man, this whole way, they're not a big enough brand. That stuff needs to go by the wayside. You need quality. And if you can get some quality in hoops, take it. If you can get some quality in football, take it. Because right now, the Pac-12 is on life support. And they need to throw a lifeline to a program that would be, it would be mutually beneficial for them to align for 2024, 25, and well into the future. All right, McElroy, then how come San Diego State isn't out there politicking for it? How come Marshall Falk isn't out there saying, let us join? You know, like you would you would think that if they want to take this step forward, that they'd be all in on this. And hey, look at Pac-12. Like we see nothing about this besides a couple of people talking about it. Hey, this should be good for you. Where is San Diego State in this? How come they're not out there saying, hey, look at us. Look what we can bring. Where are they? Let me ask you a question. When you were pursuing your wife, were you desperately knocking on her door every day? Were you constantly blowing her up with text messages or DMs? Were you is that what is that how you pursue someone? Is that how you pursue an opportunity? I don't think so. I think you play a little hard to get. I'm not saying that I've batted a well, thousand what are the or anything. For San Diego State, stay in the Mountain West, you know, kind of hey, go through there or move up to what is considered the Power Five because it's not about basketball. So Basketball maybe, doesn't bring in any money. You know, it if does it did, bring then in Maryland money. wouldn't have left for the Big Ten. It does bring this in money. This has to be them pointing out everything. It does bring in money, but it does not bring as much money in as college football. Even the most, even North Carolina, Kansas, even those football programs bring in more than their basketball program. Duke, like all, all that stuff. Football is more valuable. There's no denying that football is more valuable, but any semblance of quality would be beneficial if you're the Pac 12. And if you need more numbers anyways, you need more teams that are on board, it would be beneficial. So no, it's not about hoops. I'm not saying it is. It's never been about hoops. But if there's ever been a time to strike, now would be the time. Because of the recency bias that is centering around San Diego State right now and the quality that they've put on the field the last few years. And the fact that you have departures that are leaving the footprint here in the next 24 months. 
It just makes too much sense. And I'm not saying that's, hey, the San Diego State's now going to carry the Pac-12. No, not at all. But I do think that it would be a valuable move in the court of public opinion as opposed to sitting on your hands. At least it makes it look or gives off the impression that, hey, man, we're out trying to do something to strengthen our league. Because right now, we're all looking at George Klyovkov and we're saying, all right, where's the media rights deal? What, what, what are you doing? We're all looking at the Big 12, assuming, hey, Big 12 is about to go start poaching teams. Like We see the headlines, hey, we're, we are unified. Pac-12 is unified. We're going to actually make more money than the Big 12 in our new rights deal. Fine, the messaging is great. Where's the action? So I think that it's going to be very interesting to watch because the people that are way more than me say that what San Diego State's done in the last three weeks is massive as it relates to the potential of them being extended invitation down the road to either not just the Pac-12, but potentially even the Big 12 as well a couple of years from now. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. All right, sometimes we get a question in our mailbag that's so good, we feel like it needs to stand alone. So that's exactly what we got this time around. It was so good, we felt like it needed a segment of its own. So we're going to break it down from every possible angle. Coops, tell us a little bit more about it. All right, so Ben in Minnesota posed a question here. It says, Greg, with the Big Ten doing away with divisions in 2024, do you feel as if the 2023 season is the last chance Minnesota has at playing for a Big Ten title for the foreseeable future. What do you think the Big Ten is going to look like once divisions are eliminated? Well, it's a phenomenal question. And it's one, if you look at just how all of these conferences have been structured, like the Big Ten originally tried legends and leaders, right? To try to balance out because geographically, you couldn't balance it out. It just it wasn't going to happen because eventually they got to the geographical divisions because Legends and Leaders was so ridiculous that you just had to abandon that immediately. So they decided to go East versus West. And unfortunately, for those that are in the East, it became incredibly difficult. Unfortunately, I'm looking at you, Maryland. I'm looking at you, Rutgers. I'm looking at you to a certain extent. Michigan State, and obviously Indiana. You mention it, you break it down east versus west. You have really three traditional and historically significant programs in Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. 
Michigan State has been very significant in the last two, maybe three decades or whatnot. But for the most part, over the course of time, they would be number four in the division. Either way, think about how good Michigan State is and how difficult it would be to navigate that path on a year-in, year-out basis. Why do you think they've fallen on occasional hard times? Because anybody would. If you had to run up against the brick wall that is Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State for the quiet, for the for the more reasonable past. On the other side of the equation, you look at the Big Ten West. The Big Ten West has not fared well in the Big Ten Championship game. And if you look at the Big Ten West teams, yeah, they've pulled some upsets. I mean, we can think of a handful of games in which, you know, a an Illinois team has given a Michigan team all they want. A Purdue team has knocked off Ohio State. An Iowa team has knocked off Ohio State. I can think of a handful of games like that. Penn State went to Minnesota and lost. Remember, there have been a bunch of games where the Big Ten West has beaten Big Ten East teams in the regular season. But when it comes down to a one-game season, it hasn't always materialized. The Big Ten West is not alone. Minnesota, specifically to Rob's question, is not alone. If you look at the Big Ten East versus the Big Ten, the or excuse me, the SEC East versus the SEC West for a period of about what 10 years from 2008 until 2017, the SEC West dominated every single year. Feel like when you look at how things have kind of sorted themselves out in the Pac 12, the Pac 12 abandoned divisions have abandoned divisions. Last year, you get an SC team against a Utah team. Well, goodness gracious, look at how many great years Arizona State has had. Look at how many great years Stanford has had. And when it was the Pac-12 North versus the Pac-12 South, it was cyclical, but it was certainly most years not necessarily balanced. I think if you're a middle-of-the-pack team in your conference as a whole, and you look just right down the list, there might be a year or two where you cycle up you have a bunch of veterans. Maybe you have a difference maker at quarterback and you knock off a few teams en route to an upset, which leads you to eventually getting to the conference championship game. It could happen. I'm never going to say never, ever. Because if you look at, for instance, you look at all the different games that have been played in the Big 12, for example, they used to have divisions for a really long time. You had the North against the South. Well, the South, because they had Oklahoma and Texas, South won it most of the time. Now, there were examples of Kansas State winning it. There were examples of Nebraska winning it. There were examples of the Northern teams winning it every once in a while. But the South, for the most part, dominated the Big 12 when they had their divisions. Either way... I think as you move forward, it's going to be more difficult, far more difficult to win a conference championship than it is to get in the college football playoff. So if you're a team like Minnesota, you're going to sit there and say, hang on a second, how does that make sense? Because we're going to a 12-team playoff, and that's going to happen sooner than later. We're going to be there in, gosh, two seasons. So it's going to be here before you know it. And things will look very different. But do you think it's likely that Minnesota, using them as an example, because that's where the question came from, you just you just answer it for me. I think every job in the Big Ten West got more difficult and every job in the Big Ten East got easier. 
For instance, Maryland became significantly easier. Wisconsin became significantly more difficult. Doesn't mean it's not still a great job. Just means your job got tougher because now your path to a conference championship no longer goes through Iowa, Purdue, and Minnesota. Now your path to a conference championship actually goes through Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, and any of the aforementioned teams that might have been in your way in the past. Used to be when the Big Ten West was not great, there have been years where they really weren't great, it was the lesser of many evils. That's who got to the conference championship game. Same thing for a long time with the SEC East. I saw a 9-3 and three SEC champion get there in the past with Florida and I believe Treon Harris was the starting quarterback and they got destroyed back in like 2016. I saw a Missouri team who really wasn't very good but found their way into the SEC championship game because they were the lesser of many evils. That time, Georgia was down. Florida was very inconsistent. Tennessee was down. It was a weird time in the SEC East, and now things have flipped. Look at the LSU Tigers last year. They get to the SEC championship game, but they really weren't great. They were 9-3, and three, and they had just lost the week before to a 4-8 and eight Texas A&M team, or a 5-7 and seven Texas A&M team. So to answer your question in a real, long, poetic sort of way, If you're a team that has been on the weaker side of your conference when the divisions were geographic, buckle up. Because I really think that if your focus is on conference championships, that's probably going to be a difficult goal to attain. Yes, like I said, maybe every once in a while, every two or three, maybe every three or four, every four or five years, you rally up. You pull off a couple upsets, and then you get it to a conference championship setting. That could happen. I'm never going to say it can't. But it's less likely that that happens than it is you going, say, 10-2, and 9-3, and and finding your way as a 12 seed in the college football playoff. So if I were a team like Minnesota, if I were a team like South Carolina, if I were a team like Missouri, if I were a team like, say, Utah, even though Utah has gotten to several conference championship games and will likely get to several more. My focus would be on making the college football playoff as an at-large team, not necessarily having to climb over the Giants that are Ohio State, that are Michigan, that are Alabama, that are Georgia, and route to a conference title. The focus should be on the playoff game and get into the playoff, and not as much on the conference title, which is weird because it's completely counterintuitive to everything we've been taught over the last 30-plus years since conference championship games were instituted in the early 90s. It's completely the opposite of what we've grown up with, but it's something we need to get comfortable with because I think getting to the playoffs are going to be easier than winning a conference title. So let me ask you on a follow-up on that. Do you see conference championship games going away? I know they are big money for the school, the conferences, and it helps determine the champion, but is it ever going to be detrimental to play in them? 
if you lose, you could be, you know, you go from a bye to playing in the first round. You ever see him going away? No, because one, they're far too lucrative. Crazy money, and you don't have to share it. You keep it in-house. What is the conference championship game worth for the Big Ten? I don't know. You get Michigan and Ohio State, or you get Ohio State, USC. I mean, you're talking about a 12, 13, 14 million viewer game. And there's no telling what kind of value you could put on that. And you don't have to share it with anyone. No, they're not going away for that reason. But I do think that there's one aspect of the conference championship games that are very important. You just said you could go from having a first round bye to playing in the first round game. Well, that's the reward of winning the conference championship. There's still incentive to play in the conference championship. There's still a reward if you are victorious in the conference championship game. And that's a first round bye. And the possibility, I'm hoping, of hosting a home playoff game. Now, there's been scuttlebutt about the second round of the playoffs being at bowl sites. Maybe that happens. Maybe that doesn't. I personally would like to see the second round games on campus. And then the semifinal games and championship, I'd like to see those in the New Year's Six venues or the championship venues, what have you. But I like the idea of the first round and the second round being on campus in a hostile environment. And if you win your conference, that's the only way you can host a college football playoff game. So I would like to incentivize people playing in the play or playing in their championship game, winning their championship game, because the reward at the end could be a home playoff game and potentially a buy as well. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C. Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in the U.S. Call 877 Hope NY or text Hope NY 467 369 for New York. Call 1 800 Next Step in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1 800 327 For Iowa, 1 800 Bets Off. For Puerto Rico, 1 800 981 For West Virginia, visit 1 800 Gambler.net. First bet offer for new customers only, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall.
ConstantContact.com. All right, in honor of April Fool's Day, which is coming up tomorrow, we figured we'd take a couple moments to look at some foolish moments in college football, meaning we were fools to believe it was going to go a certain way, only to be surprised at the very end. Now, I can get you through a list, and we can just go line by line by line by line of all these different remarkable outcomes, all these crazy and chaotic finishes. But why would I do that and just list them off? Let's have a listen by starting with all those crazy people that actually thought Michigan was going to beat Colorado back in 1994. Let's it go. He's got three people down there. The ball's up in the air. Caught. Touchdown. Caught by Westbrook for a touchdown. Incredible. Or maybe the bluegrass miracle, one that we just recently talked about here on Always College Football. Randall, as time expires, lets it fly. Oh my goodness! Touchdown LSU! They win the game! And even if you don't believe that those things can happen nowadays in college football, because that was the chaotic 90s, that was a wild time in the early 2000s, those things would never happen in the 2020s. Well, think again, because you probably thought that, you know, Troy was going to beat Appalachian State last year, only to see this come to fruition right before the bell. Here's Bryce rolling out. Time to heave it deep. Throws it shy of the goal line, and that ball is tipped around. Caught. Wow! Oh, that's a touchdown! Mountaineers win it. Mountaineers win it. Deflection? Are you kidding me? Wow! And a reminder: that was actually Troy's final loss of the year. They went on a run and never lost since. So Troy last year, twelve and two. One Hail Mary loss, one loss to Ole Miss in the first game of the year where they actually played them pretty dang well. We can also look at certain ways where we were kind of high on a team coming into a season. People thinking, hey, man, this is going to be the year. Then you could just tell the whole season. It's like, man, they are cooking. This team, nobody's beating them. Nobody's touching them. Nobody's beating them. They're going to go the distance. Like in 2011, when the Oklahoma State Cowboys, all they had to do, all they had to do was just go to little old Ames on November 18th, 2011. They were a four-touchdown favorite. How hard could it be? Look at Iowa State at that point. Not great. Not great at all. But when you look at it, it was pr- pretty wild to see that final play in overtime, losing 37-31 and eventually destroying their chance of playing LSU for the championship there in New Orleans. Of course, Alabama got in as a result of Oklahoma State's loss. A lot of people upset because Alabama had already played LSU and people thought Oklahoma State deserved a chance, all this other stuff. 
it was chaos. And you can actually thank that Oklahoma State team, whether you're a fan of the playoff or not a fan of the playoff. I think that Oklahoma State team is what accelerated the process to implement the playoff just a couple years later. What about in 2007? You want to talk about a 180. You have a team that plays a certain way in the first half of the season, and then they flip it around. Things don't necessarily go as planned. This was in 2007. And all I need to do is just tell you about the backyard brawl. Do I really need to go much further? West Virginia, everything was aligned for them. Remember, 2007 was a wacky season. I mean, you look at just how inconsistent teams were. LSU was in the mix. You have Ohio State that was in the mix. All these other teams that were in the mix to potentially win a national championship, but they all just kept falling flat on their face as well. You look at West Virginia, all they had to do was just take care of business against a 4-7 and seven pit team at home in December, and they would have played Ohio State for the national championship. But an all-time defensive performance led to them losing 13-7. to seven. And since that moment, West Virginia has not been anywhere near as consistent. They've had plenty of New Year's Six Bowl games. They've had plenty of New Year's Six Bowl victories, but they have not sniffed a national championship. That was an insane game. And when you think about it, go back and look at that 2007 West Virginia team. The fact that they were held to seven points in that game will blow your mind. So either way, pretty wild thinking that, man, we're on our way. No. Country roads, not this time. There's also been plenty of specific games, I might add, where you think things are absolutely finished. It's done. Game, set, and match. Like when Michigan State came back against Northwestern, October 21st, 2006. They came back from 35 points down. Or how about just a few years ago, UCLA down huge to Texas A&M on September 3rd, 2017. All of us sitting there at halftime saying, man, keep an eye on Texas A&M. This team is legit. 34 points up and this thing is over. They are embarrassing the Bruins. Well, those were all erased really quickly. So plenty of fooled you moments, whether it be in the seasons, individual plays, or remarkable comebacks that have scattered their way throughout college football in the last 20-something years. So plenty more of those to come from. Don't get fooled. Don't get fooled on April Fool's Day. That's all I have Macro, to say. Macro, hold on. What, do you, what is your favorite? What's when, what, what moment have you been fooled on? Like what's your, whether you're playing or watching, what's your fooled you moment? Like where you thought a team was going to win or you thought your team was going to win. Do you have one? Yeah, I mean, obviously a game that I was playing in was a fairly significant one. We had a huge lead against Auburn in 2010, which has now been more formally coined the comeback. That would have been a good, good example of, of one that was somewhat surprising uh, to me. Felt like we were in complete cruise control, only to fall and come up just a little bit short. So that would probably be my least favorite moment. Uh, I'm sure I could probably think of a handful that, that would be my favorite moments, but you know, for now we'll just keep it at least favorite just to keep that fire burning.
you know, we'll just keep it there at least for the moment. But um, I, I would say Bush push game was probably one because if you look at just how that game went, a lot of people remember the QB sneak there at the very end, but it was actually a fourth down and 20 plus conversion that kept that drive alive, which was probably one of the more remarkable conversions you've ever seen. So that would have been uh, one of significance even later that year. USC against Texas. I thought for sure SC was going to walk the dog. I'd seen that Texas team and they were good and Vince Young was special, but it was really Vince Young against what was at that time a superhuman USC football team. People leading up to that game saying, hey, is this one of the best ever? Is this one of the best ever? Let's do it. Is this one of the best teams of all time? And sure enough, it wasn't to be that night as Vince Young stole it there at the very end of the front right pylon. So those will be a few that would stand out to me for sure. But goodness, I mean, it's college football. You're going to get fooled every week. That's the why it's the best. So in honor of April Fool's Day, felt like we needed to pull out a couple of fool you moments when you thought a specific outcome was going to occur, only to be fooled and shocked at how it didn't go the way you thought it was going to go. Look, next week, we have a great week in store for you. We're going to get to some mid-spring highlights, some things we need to get to, give you some updates, some position battles, some competitions, some big picture storylines. You also have some spring games that are going to be coming up here in the next couple of weeks that we got to start to preview because we've done our basic spring previews, but we got to dive a little bit deeper, especially here in the next three to four weeks. For all of us here at Always College Football, for Jack Foster and Mark Kubiak, I'm Greg McElroy. Hope you have a wonderful day and a wonderful weekend. And remember, it's always college football. Hey guys, it's Greg McElroy. Thanks for watching Always College Football. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcasts.